Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. So let me just tell you a little bit about my family. Uh, married to Alexia, we've been married for almost 20 years, 20 years in two weeks' time, which is pretty exciting. So we're going to Tassie uh, for our 20th wedding anniversary without any kids. It's going to be great. Thank you for grandparents. Uh, I've got th- three kids. My daughter Emerson is 15. Uh, right now she's at a like music recital where she's in some choirs and singing some solos. She loves music. She loves uh, dance. She loves drama. Uh, I was a physio teacher with Ben back in the day at Mueller. So I, I kind of feel this, um, I don't know, like my firstborn child doesn't like sport. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough, tough gig. She's a great kid, really love her. Uh, in fact, um, I, do, I do really love her. I do really love her. In fact, just... Uh, a few days ago, I was out um, moving a massive pile of mulch in my garden and she came out to help me. And her sister, who's, who's 10, Isla, is like, Emerson, what are you doing here helping dad? And she said, you don't even like gardening. You hate gardening. What are you doing here? She said, yeah, I hate gardening, but I love my dad, so I'm here to help. And I was like, oh, so lovely. That's Emerson, she's 15. Uh, Xavier's 13. Uh, Xavier is like your classic 13-year-old boy. Every second sentence makes no sense to me at all. Um, it's all just like um, slay this, swag that, you know, no cap. It's just hilarious. Uh, and Xavier, um, Xavier's like mountain bike riding. He's like Forza, wants to play on his Xbox, hang out with his friends. Um, we busted him the other night working on his Rubik's Cube like late at night because he's like... I don't want to do my schoolwork, but I want to learn how to do a Rubik's Cube in under a minute because that seems more important than my science, right? I was a science teacher too, so I'm like, bro, science is really important. In fact, on Friday, he sent me this message, uh, just one-liner, B minus, let's go. Like, B minus, let's go. <laughs> he was stoked. I'm surprised he passed at all. It was, it was late. He, he uh, only submitted half of it. Um, so his teacher must have, must have charmed his teacher like he wouldn't believe at Xavier, he's a great kid too. Uh, Isla's 10. Isla, Isla is, um, Isla means island, like from the island, like self-contained, and she's that kind of kid. She's different, uh, she's artistic, she's creative, she doesn't want to blend in, she's got her own thing going on, she's very self-assured, uh, a lovely kid. Uh, Emerson, Xavier and Isla. And whenever I tell this, whenever I talk about my family, Isla always says, Dad, you forgot to mention Candy. Candy's our dog. She says, you know, Candy's part of this family, Dad. Just because she wasn't born into this family doesn't mean she's not part of this family. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. In fact, I even updated the photo I normally show of my family to include our dog, Candy, just to make sure that I'm not in trouble with my 11-year-old, uh, Isla. Uh, that's my family. Uh, I've got a family. You've got a family too. Now, there's, only, there's two ways to join a family. Either you're born into a family, like Emerson and Xavier and Isla, my kids, or like Candy, you're adopted into the family. And when you become a follower of Jesus, actually God does both for us. Do you know that? We're born again, born into the family of God supernaturally. And we're also adopted into God's family. And that means that you and I are family. We're actually part of the same family. We have the same father. We are brothers and sisters in the family of God. Isn't that awesome? And I love that. It was so great over the last few days to be talking about our 2025 Baptist World Congress as we talked about belonging to a family of 51 million people, a family that's growing at a rate globally of 22% per year over the last 10 years. Like the Baptists are going forward across planet Earth. It's exciting. There are twice as many Baptists in the world than there are Australians. So you're part of a big global family. Two ways to join the family, adopted or born into that family. 
In fact, in 1 Timothy 3, we're described, uh, the church is described as the household of God. The household of God. And that word oikos, it's kind of, it doesn't just mean building. It doesn't just mean house. It kind of means all that belong in the household. It's everyone at our place. It's, it's family. So the church is the family of God. We're part of it together. Now, you might be saying, that sounds great. I didn't know I was part of a family of 51 million Baptists across the world, including 7 million Nigerian Baptists. Who knew that? Massive amount. So you might be saying, look, that sounds great, Westy, but I already have a family. You know, I've got the family I was born into, my family of origin. I've got the family that I've started, you know, with my spouse and our kids and our fur babies and the adopted kids we have in that as well, our family of procreation. So lovely idea, we're part of the family of God, but actually I already have a family, my biological family, my immediate family, my actual family. So a nice idea, but maybe that's the end of that, you know. Well, actually, Jesus had a family too, a biological family. He was born to Mary at a stepdad, Joseph. We know that Jesus had brothers and sisters and cousins and nieces and nephews and aunties and uncles. He was part of a big extended family. And there's this, uh, this passage in Mark chapter 3 I want to share with us today. And, and Mark 3 is this awkward family moment. And it's a moment in the Scripture where, where Jesus redefines what it means to belong to a family. And I want to take a look at this passage together because it has massive implications for us. Uh, let's take a look. It's Mark uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 20, verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Worst party ever, right? <laughs> when he heard about this, they went to take, when his family heard about this, sorry, they went to take charge of him for they said he's out of his mind. So Jesus' family hears that he's out there doing ministry. You know, by Mark 3, his ministry's up and going. He's like preaching amazing sermons, crowds are gathering. He's performing miracles. He's casting out demons. He's gathering disciples. Like he's standing up to political leaders. He's becoming famous and his ministry is spreading and the impact of what God is doing in and through him is growing and multiplying, right? And his family hears about it and they're like, Oh, we've got to take Jesus home. He's, he's out of his mind. He's, he's lost it. He's delusional. He's having an episode and they come to take him home. And while he's there, the Pharisees come and they, they attack Jesus. They, they try to get him off guard. They accuse him of using Satan's power to perform God's miracles. Um, we see this in verse 22 and following. Again, the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over and began to speak to them in parables. It doesn't say this in the Bible here, but I think he's like, dudes, dudes, you, you guys, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he had an impure spirit. 
Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. The crowd sitting around him, um, a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, "Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you." Jesus is there. The religious leaders accuse him of using Satan's power to do God's miracles, and Jesus says, "Guys, that makes no sense." An, uh, an enemy, you know, you can't fight against yourself. If you fight against yourself, if you turn and shoot on your own team, your team loses. The only way for me to do this is for me to have authority and power over Satan and his minions. And that's what I'm doing. You, you are calling what is good evil. And that's the unforgivable sin. That's what Jesus talks about here. The, blap, the baptism, sorry, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to look at God's goodness and call it evil. I kind of think of it a bit like the, uh, you know, like when you do deep sea diving and you put like the big helmet on with the tube that goes up to the boat and you kind of walk along the bottom of the ocean with this helmet on. Like imagine then you say, air is bad, air is, air is evil and you get out your knife and you cut the tube. It's like um, you just cut yourself off from the only thing that can save you. You, you willingly called what is good evil. So... Whenever I talk about this passage, I just remind people, you don't accidentally commit the unforgivable sin. You don't have to think, oh my goodness, have I just blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Can I not be forgiven now? Am I out of the kingdom? If you ever have that twinge, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's, that's repentance. That's God's love bringing you back after you've been a jerk, right? <laughs> you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. Don't, don't stress about that. So Jesus is here in this powerful debate with these leaders. His mum and dad turn up and they come to take Jesus away. It's quite like you have to picture it. Jesus is there, you know, up the front, talking in front of people, arguing. And it's kind of like his, in, his, in his mum's mind and his brothers and sisters' mind, they're coming with like a blanket to put around Jesus' shoulders. Okay, Jesus. Yep, yep, sure you have, mate. Yeah, no, no, we believe you, buddy. There we go. That's okay. Just come this way. Just, shh, it's okay. So, sorry, everyone. Jesus is out of his mind. <laughs> we've come to take him home. We don't know what was in those muffins, but we, we've come to take him home. <laughs> you know, and they come to take blanket around the shoulders and they're kind of expecting Jesus to be like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, everyone. Oh, sorry. And kind of just wander off to the psych ward. That's what they're thinking. We'll come to take him home. He's embarrassing us. He's shaming the family. How can Jesus do this to us? Doesn't he know? And they'll come to take him home. So what does Jesus do in that moment? Like, does he just cower and apologise and shrink back with the blanket around his shoulders? Well, let's take a look. This is what he says. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Right, now you might look at this and think, like is Jesus just a political genius? And he's just turned this whole episode in his favour, right? They, the crowd turn up, he's gathering momentum, his campaign's on the rise, he's becoming more and more famous. Like, is he just a brilliant politician that reads the moment and says, folks, if you're on team Jesus, you're family to me, right? Is it a moment of political genius? Is that, is that what's happening? Is it a moment of family defiance where he defies his, 
his mum and by now his stepfather Joseph has passed away and his brothers and sisters. Like what is going on in this moment? And I wanna just um, explain to you today that this is a shocking moment. This is a scandalous moment. This is a line in the sand moment in the course of human history. And we don't appreciate this because we're not Jewish. But this is a like hand over your mouth gasp moment. This is a, did Jesus just say what I think He just said? Moment. This is a, you cannot be serious. Is that really what He means? See, we don't appreciate this because we, we live in an individualistic society where we are told you can be anyone. You can do anything. Who are you? Well, it's who you, who you feel you are inside and it's what you do and how you look, right? We tell kids, you can be anything. You wanna be an astronaut, you can do it. You wanna be a sumo wrestler, a ballet dancer, you can do it. Just believe in yourself, you know? We, are, we, we live in a hyper-individualistic society. When you ask someone, who are you? They tell you about themselves. But that is not the culture of the first century you know, um, Jewish culture. We live in an individualistic culture. They lived in a um, pluralistic or a family culture. So if you ask someone in that culture, who are you? The first thing they would say was, well, my father was Joseph, his father before him, his father before him. They would read their genealogy, their whole sense of understanding who they are and where they fit is corporate, not individual. We don't get this. I was sharing this, uh, this passage at a church a few months ago and a lady came up afterwards and she said, look, I, I'm Indian, but my husband is kind of like white Australian, right? And she said, when we started dating, I was like a 30-year-old lawyer. But when we started dating, my dad called a meeting with his brothers to talk about my new dating relationship and to decide what the family was gonna do about it, what I was gonna have to do about it. And I'm like, you're kidding. That's ridiculous. She's like, no, that is totally normal. My boyfriend uh, at the time, now her husband, he thought it was ridiculous because he didn't understand the culture. She wasn't invited to the meeting where her dad and her uncles decided her future. That's totally normal in that culture, but not in our culture. So when Jesus is saying here, whoever does God's will is family to me, he's turning the whole paradigm on its head because in his culture, who you were was the family you belonged to. What did it mean to be a good little boy or girl? It meant fulfilling your family duty. It meant not bringing shame on your family. It meant not dishonouring your family name. In that culture, often you'd have three or four generations living in the same house. You would usually succeed your father in the family business. The way to be a good Jew was to be a good family member, a good member of your family, your clan, your tribe, and ultimately Israel itself. A corporate understanding. Family was everything, everything. The last thing you would do is dishonour and reject your family. So what is Jesus saying? Is, is Jesus saying that your biological family no longer matters? Forget your family, come and follow me. Is that what he's saying? Heads up, anyone who says your biological family doesn't, no longer matters, only this family matters, that's called a cult. You should leave that. If you're in one of those, it's time to leave, right? 
that is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying your family of origin, your birth family, your family of procreation you created, doesn't matter. In fact, Jesus all the time throughout His ministry, He affirms the importance of biological family. He, he says in Matthew 6, um, He's harsh on people who, Matthew 7, sorry. He's harsh on people who try to dodge their family responsibilities. I would help my ageing parents, but I kind of promised God I would use this money for Him. So Jesus smashes those people, you know. He speaks out against divorce. He, um, he never um, breaks the command to, to honour His mother and father. In fact, He always upholds it. He sends the, um, the delivered demoniac back to his family, Right? Even as he hangs on the cross, he makes sure that his elderly mother is looked after by the Apostle John. Like Jesus never undermines or devalues biological family. So what is happening here? If he's not saying it doesn't matter, what, what is actually going on in this moment? And I think this is what Jesus is saying. He says, when you join the family of God, that becomes the primary place of belonging. That becomes the primary place of your allegiance. It becomes the primary place of community and uh, where your life makes sense. So Jesus is not saying family doesn't matter. What He's saying, I think, is that church is more than family. Belonging to the family of God supersedes family. We're, We're more than family. The primary unit of belonging changes from the biological family to the family of God. This is why it's such a game changer. This is why it's such an incredible moment in Scripture. Up until that point, the place people thought, this is where I belong the most. This is the the group that I have the strongest allegiance to, strongest commitment to, the deepest relationship with. My duty lies to my biological family. And Jesus says, actually, no. Church is more than family. It's more than family. Because we, we are adopted into God's family and born again, and because we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves, that means that allegiance to God as Father is the primary responsibility of our lives. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength, our Heavenly Father. And then by extension, to love His family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Right? This is what Jesus is saying. There is a new, uh, a new place to belong, a new loyalty, a new allegiance, a new community, a new preference, the family of God. Let me give you some examples. So your sporting team you barrack for, Dan, the wrong team, Collingwood. The church goes for Collingwood. I do remember some uh, insane commandments about not lying. Do you guys remember that? Anyway, go the Lions, Brisbane Lions. So... I, 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 love, I love the Brisbane Lions and I have a strong allegiance to the Brisbane Lions. I've, I've, had, I've gone to stacks of games. Uh, I've got a jersey. I've got a cap, you know. I love the Lions. I've been there for the Brisbane Lions through thick and thin. I was there in the years where it was second last, third last, last, over and over and over for, for about a decade. You know, I'm not a Johnny come lately to the Lions train, right? So my allegiance to the Brisbane Lions... Insert Broncos here if that's better for you. That's fine. That matters, but not as much as belonging to the family of God. I'm an Australian, proud Australian. But that, that, and that matters, but not as much as belonging to the family of God. 
So whatever group you identify yourself with, your sporting team, that still matters, your ethnic group, that still matters, your language group, that still matters. You know, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. So that's, that still matters. I've got Dutch heritage, but that matters, but not as much as belonging to the family of God. Your friendship group, your social connection, your work environment, your sporting team, your family of origin, your family you've created, all those things matter. They really matter, but not as much as belonging to the family of God. Devotion to God is more important than devotion to anyone else. Jesus says this in the same way in uh, Luke 14. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus and turning to them, He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Like he uses the word hate there. And hate in this context doesn't mean loathe. It means non-preferred, right? It means the one you haven't chosen, the one that comes second. So like I, I hate, according to Jesus, all women apart from my wife because she's the one that I chose. You know, um, God says, uh, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. It means he chose Jacob to be the, the, the royal line for the heir, for the Messiah. So here Jesus is saying, if I'm not number one, if I'm not the most important, you really can't follow me if I'm number two or number three. I need to be more important to you than your, uh, your spouse, your children, even your own life. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Your allegiance to Him matters more than anything else. Okay, let me give you some examples about how this works. So say the way you raise your kids. So say uh, you and your spouse, so in my case, me and my wife are Christians. Say you have a non-Christian extended family and, and they look at the way that you raise your kids and they say, you really shouldn't be doing that. You know, you should just give your kids what they want. You should buy them more stuff. You should give them more money. You should make their lives easier. Isn't that what it means to be a good parent? And you say, actually, no. Thank you for your opinion. But we're actually choosing to raise our kids God's way. And that means teaching them about discipline and about value and about service rather than about just having more and more stuff. Thank you for your opinion. But actually, your opinion, pleasing you, matters less than pleasing God. Right? Or take sex. So say you're in a dating relationship and you're both Christians and you're like, we're going to honour God in, in our relationship, you know. We're going to live with purity and respect and good boundaries, all that stuff. The rest of the world looks in on you, your, your friends, even your family and says, that's stupid. You know, how do you know you're compatible? You better try before you buy. You should be exploring. Now's not a time to, to be standoffish. Now's a time to lean in and explore and see where it goes. You know, you should live free, you know. Like this happened um, to my brother, he's a pastor. They were travelling, him and his uh, fiance were travelling to stay with my auntie and uncle in Melbourne. And the flights got mixed up and my auntie and uncle said, oh, that's fine, we won't even be there when you're staying. So you guys can just have the whole house to yourselves and be like three days. My brother and his, his fiance are like, oh, we can't do that. That's not going to be good for anybody. So they changed their travel plans because they wanted to have good and godly boundaries, right? So, but my auntie and uncle, aren't Christians are like, what? That makes no sense. It was a really bizarre thing for them. But you have to say, look, 
I love you, you matter to me, you're important to me, but not as much. Or take money. You become a Christian, you start tithing a 10% to the church, right? Your family and friends look at you and say, what? You have to give 10%? You, you have to give 10% of your money to the church? That's not, that's a con. They're ripping you off. Don't you understand? Like, and you have to explain to your non-Christian family, actually, no, it's important to us that our best goes to God's work, right? There's a clash of values. There's a whole stack of examples I can give you. But there will be times in your life where you'll have to choose, who am I gonna let down? Who, who, whose preferences won't be met? Who will I have to say, I love you, I appreciate where you're coming from. However, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do this instead. Yes, your family, yes, your opinion matters, but not as much as God. Because uh, as a church, we're more than family, more than family. Okay, three big implications for, for how this changes your life. Number one, you have a home in the family of God. You have a home in the family of God. You have been adopted into God's family. If you come from, if your biological family is broken, if you felt overlooked and mistreated, neglected, if you felt like an outsider your whole life in your family, if Father's Day is a hard day for you, if Mother's Day is a hard day for you, if you come from a broken family, you need to know that you have a home in the family of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you never have to worry about being alone. You never have to worry, does anyone love me? Does anyone care for me? Do I have a place? Do I fit? Do I belong? You never have to worry about that because you belong to the family of God. You, will never, you won't be alone for your final breath. You'll be surrounded by people who love you, whether they're your biological family or the family of God. You have a home. You have a home. You have a home. Church is not a time slot. Church is not an event. Church is not a building. Church is a family where your heart has a home. And you have a home in the family of God. This is a game changer, right? I remember one day I was a new senior pastor at my church and uh, my collar was up like this, right? And I went to like, um, like the ladies' craft morning tea because the food was amazing and there's all these beautiful women there. Uh, older women, I was, my collar was up like this. And one of the ladies, Carolyn, she came over to me and just reached across and fixed my collar, you know, just straightened up my shirt. And I turned around to see her there and there's about four or five ladies behind her and they all just went, you know, much better, Mark. And I went over to them and I said, this is so beautiful. Like that you would just feel free to come up and fix my collar. Like my mum would do that. Like my aunties would do that. My grandma would do that. And I just feel so blessed to have all these hot tip, call them aunties, not grandmas. <laughs> to, have, to have all these, all these aunties who are looking out for me. Who, who, one of those ladies, um, Adele, I would say to her, because we live close to each other. So Adele, if you don't phone me when you need help at home, she lived by herself, she's in her 70s, I'm gonna be really angry <laughs> because I will come and change that light bulb. Nothing is too small. If there's a big spider in your house, I'll come and get it for you. If you need a heavy thing lifted, I will lift it. And if you don't call me, I'm gonna be so mad at you because that is how families work, right? Her, her family lived far away, she was on her own. Adele, phone me. And she did, it was beautiful. You have a home in the family of God. What this also means is that you have a role to play, right? Our, our church needs you. It needs you to be a great uncle, a great auntie, 
a great brother, a great sister, a great niece, a great nephew, a great granddad. Like you have a role to play that only you can play to strengthen this family. You have a place to call home. That's the first big thing. The second big thing is that being casual about family makes no sense. Like imagine if if I just didn't come home today, back to my house, and I turned up in a month's time. I just sort of strolled in and like put my bag down and turned on my coffee machine and turned on the TV and my wife is standing there and she says to me, where have you been? She's like, I phoned the police. I rang your phone. I put out a missing persons report. Like, where have you been? And I say, oh, babe, but it's football, it's football finals. <laughs> like, you know I don't come to family when there's football finals. Or, oh, sorry, babe, I've just been really busy recently. And, uh, you know, every, every kind of day I'd wake up and think, oh, I really should go to family today. But uh, I just got distracted doing other things. You know, it's been, work's been hectic. So haven't been a family for a while. Or I, or I say, oh, I've actually just been just trying out some other families. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a better family out there for me, right? <laughs> it makes no sense to be casual about church family. If this is a place that's more than family, a place where the primary place where you belong, the family of God, to be sketchy, to be casual, to be half in, it makes no sense of what Jesus is saying, right? This is why every single week in every single church in Australia, the pastor gets up and says, welcome to our church. We'd love you to connect. Sign a welcome, you know, fill out a welcome card. Come and grab a coffee after the service. Join a small group, get in touch. We'd love to have over for lunch. We just wanna connect, wanna help you belong to the family of God. Being casual makes no sense. So I'll be ringing you up if you've been missing and say, hey man, is everything okay? You haven't been to church for a while. Can we, church is family, how can we help you? If you're casual in church and you come and go and you're sketchy, it just makes no sense at all. This is the, church is the best place on earth. It is the safest place on earth. It is the most fun place on earth. It is the place on earth like nowhere else. To the family of God. First of all, you have a home, a place to belong. You will never be alone. You've got a role to play. Secondly, being casual about church family it makes no sense. And the third one is we have to make room in the family of God for others to join. Like the Bible really is a story about a lovesick father who's desperate to get his family back together. That's God's heart, isn't it? He grieves over his missing children. He sends Jesus, his firstborn, to come and rescue the lost children. That's his heart. That's why in Luke 15, we read this beautiful parable that grows. It goes from a lost coin to a lost sheep, to a lost son. And the whole way through, God the Father is saying, do you understand my heart? My heart for the lost to come home. My heart for broken people to be welcomed in as children and heirs to be seated with princes and princesses and the royal family, the family of God. You know, we, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that has increasing isolation, increasing loneliness. Just this morning on the ABC um, News app had an article about a guy in Japan whose job it is just to be a companion. He says, I charge 120 bucks per visit and I just do stuff like 
go for a walk, have a cup of tea, potter around the shops, sit on a bench. Because people are lonely. And I just, I just often say, hey, I can be a companion for you. We live in a world that has incredible brokenness, incredible loneliness. And we are to make place in this church family for the lost to come home. The church should be the kind of extended family that every lost person in our community peeps over the fence at our gatherings and says, man, I wish my family was like that. I wish I belonged to a place where people see each other and they hug each other and they laugh, where you have old ladies with young kids walking and laughing together, where there's warmth and forgiveness, where people, if you move in house, you have friends come and help you because it's church family. The church family is meant to be a place that everyone else says, I wish I belonged to that family. So our job is to do whatever we can to welcome people into the family of God right? It's life changing to belong to the family of God. Just as the worship team uh, comes up today, um, I guess I just wanted to remind you today that you're part of something special. You're part of something really significant. You're part of the greatest community on earth, the best family on earth, the church. And all, like no, no family's perfect, no church is perfect. We've all got our stuff, right? But what brings us together is not our last name, but our Heavenly Father. And Ephesians 4 reminds us that we have one Lord, one Saviour, one baptism, one Father, one Spirit, that what unites us and makes us family is so powerful and it will last forever. So I just want to encourage you today. I just want to plead with you today to say, you know what, I'm going to change my perspective about church family and I'm going to take the words of Jesus seriously, where He says, whoever does God's will, whoever honours the Father, they're a family to me. That matters more to me than anything else. And in fact, uh, I know it's going to be super fun after the service, but I want to give you a chance this morning, actually, just, just to say, man, I'm in. Like, I want to double down on church family life. Maybe for you, you've been a bit alone and you felt a bit alone and you've been holding back a bit, you know? Come late, leave early, don't really opt in. Well, I just wanna remind you, you have a place to belong. And I wanna give you a chance today to take a deep breath, to take a big step, to reach out to somebody, to go to that small group you've been invited to, to hang around for a coffee. I heard the coffee's amazing, made by a Brisbane Lion supporter, I heard. to hang around, to opt in. Maybe for you, your, your church family journey has been that you've just been sketchy. You've been in and out, you've been on the fringe, you've been lacking commitment, I guess. Like there's no, I'm not, there's no pressure here. There's just an invitation to come and be part of something special. Like there's no guilt. Like when you come home, when I come home, my, my family welcomes me. My wife gives me a hug and a kiss. You know, my, my daughters come and welcome me. The dog barks. <laughs> my son gives me usually knuckles or a high five. He says, sup, sup, dad. <laughs> you belong in the family of God. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe for you, your, your thing has been a bit protectionist. I like our church family. I like it just how it is. I don't really want it to change much. I don't want those people coming and crashing our family. 
And I just pray that God will change your heart. And today you'll say, oh Lord, I've, I've been wrong. I, I need to open my arms. I need to be more welcoming. I need to find the people in my circle, my neighbourhood, my cul-de-sac, my friendship group, my work colleagues, and help them find a home in the family of God. So I'm gonna pray. And if you wanna respond to maybe one of those three things, maybe all of them, you wanna belong more, you wanna be more focused and committed, you wanna make more space for other people, I'm just gonna invite you just to stand and then we're just gonna pray for the person next to us just as a way to say, man, I'm so glad you're part of this family. Pray that God would bless you as you honour Him. So if you'd like to do that, you can stand up now where you are just as a way to say, yep, I'm opting into family. You can stand up now if that's you and say, yep, I wanna opt in. I wanna go deeper in our family. I wanna be more at home. I wanna fix up some collars. Give my phone number to some older ladies in my community. Yeah, let me pray. Father God, my goodness, what a privilege, Lord, to call You Father. You are the Almighty God, the One who heaven is Your throne and the earth is Your footstool, the One who created everything that is, the all-powerful, almighty God who lives in unapproachable light, splendid, holy, awesome, incredible, unfathomable, almighty God. And we call You Father. We call You Daddy, Abba, Father. You've invited us into Your family. And Lord, I just thank You for each person that's standing, Lord, and those that aren't as well, God. And I thank You that there's a commitment in this room today to go deeper, to experience more belonging and love and joy and fruit in the family of God as we all work together for Your glory, God. To opt in, to go deeper, to, to be less casual and more committed to a family. And Lord, I pray that many, many people who right now You are bringing to our, our mind's eye, Lord, You're laying on our heart as we think of our neighbours and our sister, and a guy from work, Lord, that friend from netball, our cousin, God, those people who don't yet belong to the family of God. And that You would put in us a fire, Lord, a drive, a yearning, a longing, a broken heartedness. Lord, to welcome those people, to see the lost be found and the lonely settled in the family of God. That's our prayer, Lord, that's our prayer. May we be Jesus to those people. May our lives reflect the love of God and may the church show the world what it's like to be loved by God. We ask this for Your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.